Yes, and good morning, and may the Lord bless you this morning as we look at this last, what they call a special session here, each one of which had to do with young people and their very, very important relationships in life with, with fathers and then with mothers and then with friends and then with their church and this morning with their pastors. These are very important relationships. And, and all these relationships, if they are as they ought to be, they should help prepare you then for future relationships that are not on this list. For example, your relationship with your wife or with your husband. Very, very important relationship that's coming up. And then after that, relationships with your children. And these relationships keep on going. But for, for, for this week and at this level of life, we're looking at these five things. Your fathers and then your mothers and your friends and your church and your pastors. We could have put your brothers and sisters in there. But these relationships are very, very important and they're preparing you for some to come. I'm going to use a very, very unusual text this morning for this, to begin this thought on the youth related to their pastors. And you would say, well, Brother Dale, you should be using that for pastors and not for the, student, for the youth. And, and, and you're right. But in this whole thing, I was wondering this morning if we should be speaking these words that I have written here to the pastors instead of to the youth. I was wondering if every word I said should not be the pastors instead of to the youth. And, the, and that brings up a very important point. And that is that for relationships to work, there has to be an open door on both sides. And so the pastors should certainly be as interested and concerned about the youth as what you are and wanting to be supportive, appreciative, and, and this obedient to your pastors. And so it requires two things there, and there should be an open door on both sides. But I want to show you, using this text, just one important thought. It's found in Jeremiah 13. And verse 20. Now, this, this verse really looks like it should be written to a pastor instead of to a young person. But, but there's a young person in this verse, and let's see if we can find it. Lift up your eyes, and behold them that come from the north. Where is the flock that was given thee? Thy beautiful flock. Where is it? And I want you to look at that verse in order to find this, discover this in your Bible. You find there in that verse what God thinks of you. And God is talking to the pastor, and he's telling the pastor what he believes about that flock. And he says it's a beautiful flock. Where is it, that flock that was given you? And when God looks at you and the members of your congregation, that is what God sees. And the ministers sometimes see problems, and they see fence riders, and they see critical attitudes, and they see uh, immaturity, and I don't know what all they see, the poor, poor, poor pastors, poor fellows. Pity them, and we ought to pray for them, don't you think? We ought to pray for those pastors, those poor fellows. They're not going to last very long in their ministry if they don't straighten up. If they don't see themselves different. That's not how God looks at the flock. And this is what God thinks of you. If you're, if you're part of the church of Jesus Christ and a local congregation, this is what God thinks of you. Beautiful flock. That's, a, that's just something to remember, right? That's a beautiful thought. That's what God thinks about you. So these relationships go two ways. So a couple questions here. How do you feel about your pastors or your elders? And a word that you use that we don't use in Costa Rica, you talk about spiritual authorities. If, if, if I woke up to Grace Afaro and say to her, Grace, she wouldn't have an idea what I'm talking about. It's a term we never use. She would know what it means. 
spiritual authority is a word we don't have used in Costa Rica. But you use it up here in, in Iowa, and that's okay. I know what you mean by it. But what is, how do you feel about them? Or, the, or him. I don't know how many you have in your congregation. Your, your elder or your pastor or your elders or your spiritual authorities. I'd like you to turn to Psalm 23. Would you go there? How do you feel about them? We're going to ask some more questions about that after a while. But just think about this relationship with your pastors. Now this psalm you know by heart. And uh, I'm not going to get too theological about this, but I do have six points written down here about these verses. It says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That means I shall not lack anything. I will never miss missing anything that I need. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for His namesake. This is your pastor taking care of you. This is what your pastor is doing for you. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, and that happens... I will fear no evil, for thou, that's the pastor, art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I'd just like to look at this psalm this morning, although it's our relationship with the Lord. Of course it is. I want to apply it to you and your pastor this morning, the youth and his pastor, or her pastor. As we heard last night, our ministers, our Lord Jesus ministered to the total person, body, soul, and spirit. We find that that's what's going on here. We see that same thing, that tripartite nature of the pastoral care. Here we are physically being taken care of. You can see that very, very easily. We need pasture, we need water. We see he's working on the inner man here, our souls, our emotional makeup. He restoreth it. We see he's taking care of the spiritual side we live with in these paths of righteousness for God's sake. It's, it's a very, very beautiful thing there, and your pastor is, is, is concerned about you in those three areas. That's, that's a wonderful thing. Now, times sheep need correction. And sometimes sheep need healing. We saw that last night. And we see something here. We see a rod and a staff. And, and, and this sheep here that's writing this psalm, this sheep here says that he's encouraged by that rod and staff. He says, it comforts me to know that's there. It gives me security to know it's there. And we have this oil. And that oil in that horn of that shepherd is because there's wounds on that sheep that he doesn't know about. Yeah, the, 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 shepherd, the sheep go into that redil every night. And that, sheep just, that shepherd just takes his fingers like that and kind of goes down through that wool this way as that sheep goes past him going in, in there. Up, oh, we have a problem here. Oil. The sheep may not have known about it. And your pastors are doing that for you. And, and that should not be a threat to you. That, you shouldn't take that as a personal offense to you. It, it's a blessing if the parent, if the shepherd's doing that. The shepherd has a care for you. I, I want you to see your pastor in light of Psalm 23. Now, I have a question. This question bothers me tremendously as a pastor. This, this, this question shakes me up. 
especially when I am like I'm now over 2,000 miles from home. But listen to this next question. Could the youth in my congregation at home truly say these words? Now listen, you're a youth. And, and so I'm using my youth at home and I'm not you, but, but you listen to this. Could the youth in my congregation at home say these words? Brother Dale is our shepherd, so we shall not lack anything. We're not worried. We've got Dale. Everything's fine. <laughs> we think pastor's back there. Where you at? Listen to that. That's, that's powerful thinking, a relationship with the youth to their pastor. Brother Elvin is my pastor. I'm in good shape. We think about that, fellas. And, and, and to develop a relationship with, with the pastor in that kind of a way, that's a beautiful thought. You're not afraid of someone like that. You, you'll draw near. When that voice speaks, you, you're... <laughs> It's the most beautiful thing you can imagine. I ask myself, am I available and near when they are facing the most difficult time in their lives? Yea, when I walk through the valley. And yesterday at this same hour, here in this point of the program, I used Tanya's name. And probably no one remembers that I said Fernanda, Tanya, and Andrea. There's probably no one remembers that. But I said, I said Tanya. And Tanya, as I stand here, is dying of cancer. And I've been asking the Lord day after day on this trip to keep her alive until I get home. I don't want her to die until I get there, until I get back. How does Tanya feel? Uh, I, I believe the Lord's going to keep her alive until I get back. I listen every day to see if that phone rings. Though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I, I know that I know that I'm on this bed and the body is just wasting away. My pastor is going to be here. He has been visiting me and he will come back. It's not very nice to be away right now either, but that's just the way that schedule worked out. There's a rod and a staff in this psalm. And rod represents authority. The staff represents pastoral care. And, and does that bother you that there's authority there? There are very, very few verses in the whole New Testament that speak about the authority of a pastor. We use that word spiritual authority, but that word is in the Bible very, very few times. I'm going to show you two places where it's used. And I want to show you something very, very beautiful about this paces. Thinking about this rod, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And here we are in verse 8. For though I should boast somewhat more of our authority which the Lord hath given us for edification and not for your destruction, I should not be ashamed. Here you are, you're a young person. And the authority that, rep that Rod represents, this, that your pastor has in his hand, is for your edification. That means to build you up. That means to make you a better person. That makes, means to make you more useful. That means to mature you into Christ Jesus. That means to make you a useful vessel. 
Can, can you imagine? How would you be afraid of authority that made you a better person than what you are now? Maybe more useful than what you are now. More prepared and equipped than what you are now. How would you be afraid of something like that? They comfort me. They comfort me. I said I was going to show you two of them. Chapter 13 of 2 Corinthians. Verse 10. Therefore I write these things, being absent, lest being present I should use sharpness according to the power, the word power there in authority. Then the last verse is the same word in Greek. Which the Lord hath given me to edification and not to destruction. Never to destroy a person. There's this shepherd in Psalm 23 is not trying to destroy any sheep in that flock. I can prove it to you. There were 90 and 9 that safely lay in the shelter of the fold, and one was out in the hills away far off from the gates. And what did the shepherd do? He left the 90 and 9. That's the attitude. With rod and staff he went, with horn of oil he went. Not for destruction. For salvation, for edification. And when they come to you, even if there's a word of if a word, a word of counsel, a word of caution, a word of a word of correction, it's not for your destruction. It's for edification. There's a table here in this psalm. What has your pastor prepared for you? What is on that table? These are holy meditations. And if I may just jump you real quick here to John chapter 10, we did look at a few words here. This is the relationship that you should have with your pastor. This is the relationship that your pastor ought to have with you. And, and we can't read very much here, but verse 11 says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. Can you imagine that? Will your pastor do that for you? I, I would certainly like to believe that he would. Verse 14, I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine. That's another verse. If you're back there and you're a pastor this morning, that's another verse that scares me often. Know my sheep. And I heard of a pastor who was spending time in prayer, and his wife came in there and said, What are you praying so long for? You're at it all morning. What are you doing? And he said this, these words. He said, There are 2,000 sheep that call me pastor, and I do not know how it's going with them right now. And you pastors sitting there, you have no idea what's going on in the lives of all of your members right now. And yet you're concerned for them and responsible for them, and you should know them. And how well do we know our sheep? And I'm known of mine. And as the Father knoweth me, even so I know I the Father, and I lay down my life for my sheep. And then I'd like to look at verse 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Look at that relationship between youth and your pastor. This, this pastor is speaking here, not this, the youth, but the pastor is saying, My sheep hear my voice. And so he's speaking. And I know these sheep. And what they do in response to is they follow me. Just look at this beautiful picture in the church. That, that church has a tremendous future that has youth like that. that. That church has a brilliant future. Is this the way that you know your pastor? Now the Bible also tells us that we have some responsibilities to our pastors. And if I would write all those things down that the, that the Bible would indicate that we could do and should do and ought to be doing for our pastors, the list would be pretty long. But I'm going to reduce it this morning to just a few thoughts. Share with them financially when that opportunity presents itself. Pray for them. 
honor them. The Bible tells us to love them. But I'd just like to note a very few passages here. If you would uh, turn with me to 1 Thessalonians 5. Just look at a couple things we just like to subrayat under underscore here this morning. Verses 12 and 13 in this last chapter of 1 Thessalonians. And we beseech you, brethren, youth, young people at Youth Bible School, Zion Youth Bible School, Cologne, Iowa, 2017, to know them which labor among you. See, they're responsible to know you, but you're also responsible to know them. Which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love because of the responsibility that they have for their work's sake and be at peace among yourselves. This is a beautiful church that's doing that. That's a beautiful setting. That's a beautiful congregation. And you, the young people in our churches contribute a tremendous amount to that. To that effect, to that result. 1 Corinthians 4.1 There's an interesting Greek word here in this verse. Let a man so count of us as the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. And you probably have been told this if you not write it down in your Bible. That word ministers there is the Greek word huperatis. A huperatis is an under, a hooper is under. Huperatis is, a, is an oar, an oarman. A huperatis, H-U-P-E-R-A-T-A-E-S, huperatis. And in Greek it means that we're on, a, we're on a warship, a Roman warship. And we have decks on this ship. And there's a one deck and a two deck, and down here in the third level, third level down, outside this deck there are holes sticking out through the sides of the ship. And there are oars go out through there, and there are slaves chained fast to the benches on that third deck down under there in the darkness. And up here is a person that's giving a beat. And these oarmen are all oaring, rowing to the sound of that beat. And these people down here are slaves and they do that to their die. And when they die, they throw them in the, sh- in the sea, put something else in there, and they're slaves. And they're galley slaves. And they're oarmen. And, and Paul is saying that I am the pastor. And the pastor is this under rower. He's down here. That was his attitude towards himself. And he said, he wants, a, he wants this Corinthian church to consider him to be that. Let a man so count of us as the ministers of Christ, as the under rowers and stewards of the mysteries of God. That, that, that I should be saying that to the pastors. But I want you to see what this says here. It's up to your pastors to find that out for themselves and put themselves in that position. But you, you're not afraid of somebody like that. You're not afraid of that attitude. You're not afraid of that kind of service, of that kind of servanthood, of that kind of slavery, of that kind of, of, that kind of dedication. You're not afraid of that in your church. And then to Hebrews 13. And here we can read several verses, but maybe we'll start with verse 7. Remember them which... Have rule over you who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow. Spanish says, whose faith imitate, considering the end of their conversation, considering just what their lives stand for. Don't you want to go that same way yourself? Isn't that what you want for yourself? Then follow that. Then go that way. Verses 17 and 18 say, Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls. Edification. 
not destruction. As they that must give account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief. It would not be profitable for you if they'd have an unsavory account to give about their relationship with your life. Pray for us. It's a responsibility of a pastor, for we trust we have a good conscience in all things, willing to live honestly. Now, I just want to ask a couple questions, very, very personal here. Do you trust your pastors? Do you have confidence in them? Do you sense that they're caring for you? Do you believe that they love you? I'm going to ask you another question. Are your pastors your friends? But I have a harder question. Are you ready? Are you ready for it? If you would have sin in your life, have made a serious mistake in your experience, are you listening? Would you be free to go to your pastor and say, may I tell you what I did? This is what happened. This is what I did. Would you go to your pastor and tell him? Or would he have to discover it and somehow another... (laughs) send you a text message or slip his vehicle, his pickup truck into your driveway in the evening or send the deacon around or would you take the initiative the Lord is my shepherd rod and staff comfort me anoint my head with oil leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake it's for my edification not for my destruction I have confidence in him, and he's my friend, and I know him, and I hear his voice, and I follow him. And when I get into trouble, (laughs) what does a sheep do when he feels insecure and feels like something's wrong? (laughs) Where does he go? Where does he go? You're, You're not a goat, you're a sheep. Search that pastor out. Would you go to him? Would you tell him? I... I this, this is what I did. Brother Elvin, they come to you like that, you're not going to kick him out of the church. They come to you like that, you're not going to get a brother's meeting and, 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 and get the same heed against them. You're not going to call him up front here and make, make an object lesson out of him, Brother Elvin. I know what you're going to do. I hardly know you very well, but I know what you're going to do. The person that came to you and, you're, and slipped inside there, you know, when you're studying, you close the door and started, the tears started to run and start telling what's going on. I know what's going to happen in that room in there. There's going to be oil dripping off them people when they leave your room that, that evening. There's going to be tears in your eyes and in theirs. And there's going to be encouragement and comfort and edification, Brother Elvin. I'm going to ask you another question. How many have ever done that? And don't tell me you don't ever make mistakes either. Don't tell me there's never been any failures in life. And don't, you, don't try to tell me that this thing has been a perfect experience the last five years. And how many have you ever gone to the pastor and said, well, you know, I, I kind of tripped up here, I'm sorry. Now we take you deeper yet. Are you ready to go? That clock keeps on doing that. What an if. I'm sorry to tell you this, but it happens. Some of you know exactly what I'm going to talk about. Some of you are right there and know exactly what this is. But some of you, and it happens sometimes, that pastors are not what they should be. And some pastors are rough. 
and some pastors criticize and ridicule, and some pastors exercise authority, and some people, some pastors uh, try to be the boss, and some pastors greatly hurt, greatly damage precious lives. And now my question. I'm sorry. I don't want to be that way, and I don't know how many mistakes I've made for the youth in our churches. I don't know how many times I've done wrong. I have no idea how many times I've stuck that sapling. Remember that illustration? In front of the path. I don't know if I've ever done it. But when that would happen, will you promise me that you'll respond to that pastor, that wrong pastor, that wrong attitude, the way David did, and not the way Solomon did, and not the way Absalom did? You respond the way David responded to Saul. You will not respond the way Absalom responded. Can you get that into your heart? And you know, if you do that, God has seen every bit of it. God will take care of every bit of it. You're in a perfect position for God to guide you into a into 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 paths of righteousness for His namesake. You're in an excellent position to be led by still waters and green pastures. You're in an excellent position for God to take your life and give it holy direction. Life is not over because these difficult things have happened. If we respond right, God is, has every opportunity in the world. I want to share that with you. I hope no one has wronged you. And if they did, may God have mercy on that dear person. And may God have mercy on me. But be sure you have the spirit of David. Don't, don't be afraid of your overseer. And I'd like to ask these dear pastors, are you an oil-pouring pastor? Do you pray for the sheep? Do you know what they are experiencing? Do the sheep feel peace <laughs> when all of a sudden they see you coming near? <laughs> a beautiful feeling just because the pastor came home. The pastor is close. The pastor is near. And the sheep just feel that beautiful security. What, what, what a joy for young people. I thought I'd give you a few more snapshots this morning. Young man in our congregation, never had a car before. And he had a couple, a couple of colonies there, dollars in your words. And he wanted to buy a car. And he asked me if I'd go along with him to... There's a place in, in Costa Rica where there are several car dealers close together. They sell used automobiles. And when I go along and help him find a car, he wanted he want to have a car and wanted me to go along with him to help him find a car. <laughs> what do you think about that? Youth and their pastor. Take, take your pastor along to help you find a car. What do you think about that? That happened in Costa Rica. One Sunday morning, one of our youth girls, service was dismissed. And she came up to the pulpit. I was up here doing something and putting some things away or whatever I was doing up here. And she came up and she's one of these people that when she looks at you, you know, she uh, talks to you. She's looking over here but talking to you. But she's talking to you but she's looking over here. Brother Dale, I like our church so much. We have such precious young people in our church. I hope that if any of us ever get married, that we all stay here. I don't want anyone to ever go away. Because we have such a nice church. I hope no one ever leaves. 
And the time came for Christina to get married. And she married a young man that's in one of our very, very small congregations. Right now, they only have three men in that congregation. And her husband, her new husband, felt that they should support this little tiny fledgling church down there in the town of Vital. And Christina found herself leaving our congregation, which she didn't want to do, to go to Vital. And so now we're coming close to the wedding. She comes to me and she was crying. Brother Dale, is there any way that I could be a member of two congregations at the same time? Do, 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 do I have to transfer my membership down there, Brother Dale? You, you talk about beautiful experiences. You, you talk about a beautiful relationship. You, you talk about youth and their pastors. My sheep know my voice. And I know them, and they follow me. These are beautiful words. Once the evening, church was dismissed. I was sitting up here in the, this bench here, front of the church, first bench. One of our young men was sitting about two benches back. When the service was dismissed, he came up and sat down beside me. And he was, he was like this. Brother Dale, I'm, I'm a mess. I mean, I'm a mess. It's me and Dad. Brother Dale, it's all my fault. It's me and Dad, but it's, it's, it's my fault, Dale. I, I, I'm in a mess. Well, well, Logan, you can't be that bad. Surely we can take care of it somehow. Yeah, but I, I don't know what to do, because it's, it's my fault. Well, Logan, look, look here. Daddy's not here right now. And this is Wednesday night. You, you just come home and pray, and God's going to take care of you. Tomorrow morning, I'll come over to your place, and you and Daddy and I will talk about it. Okay. That'll be good. Uh, so, okay. Well, Logan was a mess. He had made some mistakes. Logan wasn't the only person who was wrong in that situation. His Daddy had made some mistakes, too. We met together the next morning under an orange tree. One didn't take very long at all. To solve that problem. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't take very long when you have attitudes like that, does it? Youth and their pastors. And, and, and that relationship I want you to have and trust and believe and open your heart and share. Yes, many times they come when they start a special interest in a young lady and they want counsel, they want advice. And we don't have that as a church standard. We don't have that as a congregational position that when you begin your courtship, you go to the pastor, but everybody does it. We have never said to our congregation, that's what we should do. But everyone does that every time. It just happened a very short time ago that the last one that started a courtship came and did that. I'll end here. Yes, they come when they have questions about possible service opportunities that they want to know what I think about it. But we had a family that was living in our community and they were going to be leaving and they were going to be going back to the States and they'd been there for several years and they had some young people in their, in their family and they were going to be leaving us and we had a nice group of young people there in the congregation. It was a Wednesday night, this was going to be the last service there and, and you know, the, the, everyone was just a little bit sad and 
it's kind of easy to be teary, you know, because this is a very precious family. And, and I had been called outside just to something, I don't know what. And one of the young men came out and said, Brother Dale, would you please come in here? I said, yes. So when we turned around and came in, I saw something strange was going on. That we have a little table here in front of the pulpit. And they got in this table and they pulled it out from the pulpit and had it set out here in the middle. And they had songbooks, open, open songbooks around that table. They were all open to the same page and, they, and, and the young people were standing around this table in a circle. So I walked up and two young men stepped aside and said, said right here. And so I got in a circle with these young people. And one of them looked at me and said, this is the last time we'll ever be together. Would you pray for us one more time while we are together? And there we were. What a beautiful picture. What a beautiful testimony of youth with our pastor. Would you pray for us one more time? This is like taking... Have you take that home into your hearts? If you're a pastor this morning, your, your heart was more touched than what the young people's was. It's not only a sobering responsibility, it's an opportunity without measure. It's an opportunity that reaches to the sky for its limits. Look at these precious young people. Who would want to be the pastor of these young people? Who wouldn't want to say, <laughs> I accept that responsibility. I'm glad to. God bless you, dear young people. Stay close to your pastors. Share your heart with them and with your fathers and your mothers. And choose the best of friends. Be a contribution to your congregation. And there's hope for the church of tomorrow. May God bless you.